It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tottenham, Tottenham, don't be a Tottenham. You want goals? Tottenham's got the Tottenham, 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 Tottenham. I'm saying Tottenham very, very often. Hot shot, give them all you got. Let me make it plain. Tottenham are the kings, the kings of White Hart Lane. Top ten, Tottenham. Hello, welcome to another episode of Top Ten Tottenham. This is Mike Lee here. Thank you so much for joining us. Wherever you are, thank you so much for your kind words on this third series of our occasional show that we put out in the close season. Delighted to be joined by this uh, gentleman who's been on the Tottenham the Spurs show many, many times. The eminent literary agent, agent to the stars, Mr. Rick Mason. How are you, Rick? Oh, very well, thanks, Mike. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Uh, a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, yours is a... a a good, I'd say a good mix through the years from the time you've been supporting Tottenham. There's some, some greatest hits here, some slightly uh, uh, more obscure ones. Uh, and let's, well, before we crack on, how did you become a Tottenham fan? Who, who in your family, I'm guessing, is to blame? Well, actually, no one. Um, oh. Because um, I first got, and I'm going to, get people turning off here but I first got involved with football and the first football I ever watched was the 1966 World Cup right and because of that um and the fact that my granddad used to cut the West Ham players hair really uh, yeah yeah Marcuses of Ilford all the West Ham Marcuses of Ilford that's fantastic used to, used to go in there he was a, he was a barber not a butcher I'm just guessing no, he, he was it was at the back of um no I, a few people might have said he was a butcher I don't know yeah. um but uh the barbers was at the back of a menswear shop Oh, really? So, uh, nice. so they have to go through the menswear shop to get right. to the barbers at the back. And he was cutting the hair of people like Jeff Hurst and Martin Peters and John Sissons and uh, Brian Deere, all, all of Amazing. the West Ham at the time. So what with us winning the World Cup, I, I actually started off, albeit for a few months and I was only seven years old, 
supporting West Ham. Then West Ham lost in the cup to, uh, I think it was Swindon that they lost to. And I couldn't believe that they'd lost and I cried my eyes out and uh, ripped down all the posters from from my wall (laughs) and asked my mum what the nearest team to us was. And I lived in a place called Himes Park near Chief. Yeah. And um, and because my mum didn't really have much of a sense of direction, um, she said, "Oh, I think Spurs are our nearest team." And of course, it was late in Orient, but but right. so uh, I started putting up pictures of Spurs players like Greaves and Gilsey. Well, what a fickle fan you were in those early days! I, I know, I know, and um, and of course they won the cup because uh, they beat wow. Chelsea, and that cemented me for Amazing. the rest of my life. So no family? So, I mean, did you have any uh, Tottenham supporting family or was it because growing up in that area, it was probably more West Ham, I thought? My granddad, my my mum and dad weren't interested in football at all. My mum actually got interested through me, but my dad's never had a real interest in, in football. Um, and, uh, and my mum... God rest her soul. She actually ended up with a season ticket of her own and didn't sit with me. Oh, um, really? That's how much she got into it. But her dad, my grandfather, was Arsenal. Right. And the rest of the family, cousins and aunts and uncles, were split between Arsenal and Tottenham. So we were very sort of north... London family, some of them living northwest in places like Hampstead and places mm-hmm. like that. So it's very much split between. I mean, it, it, I think it's fair to me to say, and we've had, you know, different people of a varying fandom. I think it's fair to say that you you are and always have been an absolute diehard, obsessive Tottenham fan that sort of permeated into your entire life, your professional life, uh, your pretty out there as a, a Tottenham family would you agree I yeah I, I, I would agree with you and anybody <laughs> that that knows me knows that um yeah I used to I used to run the, the the travel and be the PR officer for the Spurs supports club I started the left on the shelf campaign to to um to uh, uh stop the seats being put in the shelf that wasn't very successful um but uh, yeah, over the years, I've I've really got involved, and anybody who, who who does know me by sight will know that my hair went white very very early. And if it's not a sign of a Spurs supporter, I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, your first choice here is, is one actually from this era. Surprising that I couldn't find uh, any footage. There's quite a lot of the sort of big match uh, from around the late sixties. It's the second of November. 1968, it finished Tottenham Hotspur 1, Stoke City 1. The scorer was Jimmy Greaves, and this is your first pick, why? Well, this was my first ever match live. So this was the first match that my mum and dad took me to. They didn't know what they were letting themselves in for. We sat on the, the upper tier, and my main memory of it, uh, it's going to sound a bit weird, but my main memory of it was seeing a game in colour. Because up until that point, (laughs) I'd only watch matches in black and white and I couldn't believe how green the pitch was and how everything was was in colour and then the, the, the atmosphere was all around me instead of just coming out the... The speaker of an old Ferguson TV set sat in a cubby hole. 
And uh, you know it, that was uh, that was a lasting impression on me, a real lasting impression on me. And the, and the game itself um, was um, uh, we. I, th- I think I think Stoke. No, I think I think we scored first. Uh, some somebody will put me right, I'm sure. But we scored first, and then David Hurd equalised for Stoke. And uh, Gordon Banks was in goal for for Stoke, but of course I saw my great hero because Jimmy Greaves had become my great hero, and it was really just before he left. That's right. Um, and uh, and got swapped for for Martin Peters. So it was the one match I saw Jimmy Greaves in, and and you were clearly hooked. For that that was it. You were hooked. Now, did you go in the, the in that year and the following year? Did you? Did your parents take you again, or did you have to wait a while until someone well, no, else well, took my, you? My parents at that time weren't really keen on, on going at all, and uh, and so uh, the the irony was that I did end up going to Orient for about three three years with my friends because my parents felt safer letting me go to Orient. Um, uh, than uh, than going to Spurs, and I don't know why, because the Orient were playing teams like Millwall, and it was uh, <laughs> it, it was probably much more worrying going to going to Orient. But but yeah, I went. I, I was still a Spurs fan, mm. but, it, but it also um, it um, it cemented Leighton Orient as as my second supported club, like many Tottenham fans. Yeah, I mean, I still I still go over Orient now, and I still see a lot of Spurs season ticket holders over there when Spurs aren't playing, and and Orient have got going with so many Sunday matches. Of course, you get to quite a few Orient matches, and you can always get in at the door. So, so um, uh, yeah, that uh, that was me for three years, and then um, I got my. First season ticket in 71, 72. Wow. I've had a season ticket ever since. Mm, amazing. Well, your, your second choice is a, a a massive, massive game in the history of Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, I was seven. I wasn't allowed to go to night games, but I remember staying up or pretending to stay up and waiting for my dad to return. And he bought the old 5P programme and he'd written the score and I knew what it meant. Now, there is footage of this game, but sadly it's footage with no sound. So <laughs> for the sake of a podcast, utterly pointless playing it, but it is out there. I'm talking of the huge, huge last game of the season in 1975 when Tottenham had to beat the champions, Leeds United, to stay up. And we did four goals to two. Why has this one got in your top ten? Well, a number of reasons. I, I remember it very well. There was a lot of media attention given to um, a hypnotist called Ronald Markham, mm-hmm. who had uh, who, who went by the name of Romark. Yeah, had we've had Martin to- Chivers and Pat Jennings and various players in that team all tell us about this extraordinary. Yeah, and, and, and apparently he went into the dressing room and we literally had to win against a very, very good Leeds United side. I think they'd won the title the season before yeah. and, and still had all the, all the old players like Bremner and oh, yes. Trevor Cherry and Lorimer and Gray. Um, so this was going to be a very difficult match. for They had the European team. Cup final coming up though, didn't they? They they did and um, but um, but 
I remember it because one of the things that Ronald Markham had said he'd done, or Ron Mark had said he'd done, was was to get Cyril Knowles to remember goals that he'd scored in the past. And, of course, he, he didn't score many, but he scored mm. two that day, one of them being a wonderful free kick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and Chivers, I think, got the other goal. But after Jimmy Greaves had left Spurs, my next hero in a Spurs shirt, simply because... You know, he could do things with the ball that the other players can't. Was Alfie Conn, mm-hmm. and he scored that day he as did. well. So we won 4 2. We mm-hmm. stayed up. It was a fantastic atmosphere. Nobody, I think, expected us to win. Uh, and uh, and even though I think we went down, we still went down two years later. Um, it was, it, it, um, I don't think anyone ever thought that Spurs would be in that position. Mm. Well, we did go down, and and uh, your third pick is actually from that season. I think Spurs fans of a certain age, looking back, probably not the time when it happened, looking back, look back at this season incredibly fondly because we were playing teams we didn't normally play. We were going to grounds we didn't normally go to, and this game, this this your third pick was was probably if I ever do this show, probably go mine as well because. Uh, it was a historic game, not only for the win, but the fact that we won this game by this score was the amount of goals that meant meant us pip Brighton Hove Albion to going up that season. And one could argue if we didn't go up this season, there would be no Ardilas, no Via, probably no Hoddle. I'm talking about extraordinary game. Tottenham 9, Bristol Rovers nil, And here uh, with John Motsley, a very rarely... Uh, match of the day would go to a second division game, but I think a game had been called off that day. And so the BBC cameras were there with John Motson. Let's listen to the last four goals. Famously, a debut with Colin Lee scoring four and Ian Moore scoring three. Let's have a listen. Hoddle, Sayula leaving it. Moore's is through. Tottenham that Bristol Rovers looked a very poor side, especially in defence. And as Moore's on again here for the hat-trick, he's done it! He's got his third as well! And it was laid on by Lee. And Spurs have scored seven. Again the partnership of Lee and Moore's. Lee broke on the left, crossed a fast ball to say the least, and Moore's got it on the volley, putting it away so well again. Oh, and John Pratt's away. Lee is in the middle, Taylor trying to get there. It's going to come to Taylor now. It's come to Lee. Eight. Tottenham. Uh, 
offside, perhaps, but the referee's given the goal. Number nine. Again from a corner. Ian Moore's retrieving at the far side. Knocked it back across the goal. Hoddle was all by himself. Bristol appeal for offside. The flag stayed down. And Spurs chasing double figures. Was that one, Colin Rick? Well, I mean, it was it was just memorable. I can still remember that day now. We'd only mm. signed Colin Lee two days before. Yes. And he wasn't, and we've interviewed Colin Lee on the Spurs show and he wasn't even fully fit. No, I, I mean, he, he just, he came into the, the team. Late, later on, of course, only Spurs could uh, could sign a player that scored four goals on his debut and then turn him into a centre-half, <laughs> uh, which, which they did years later. And I also felt really sorry for Ian Moores, who finally got a hat-trick and still didn't get the match ball. But it was just a, it was just a tremendous game. I mean, just... Every every attack looked like it was going to be a goal, and at that point, I'd never seen a game like that before. It was uh, it was just absolutely wonderful, and um, still our record home win. I know we we put nine past Wigan, but we hadn't conceded, did we? It's still a record home win. Yeah, I mean, it, it was um, it, it was an inc- it was an incredible game, and uh, and yeah will always stick in my memory. What I've, I've I learned only in the last few years, we, we do a thing on patreon.com where we do interview some players that we don't normally have at the Spurs show live events and all that. I only learned recently that that particular game, Keith Berkershaw didn't t- take the team, but Bill Nicholson did, which is a, a very little known fact. I didn't know that. I know. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah, that is. Berkershaw was ill or scouting or something. And he asked Bill Nick, can you take the team? And it's barely reported that Bill Nicholson came out of retirement and actually looked after the team for that record-winning uh, victory. Well, that, that, I mean, that surprises me a lot because I don't think we treated Bill Nicholson and Eddie Bailey too well after no. after they left. So for him to uh, to come back at them, in fact, I think he was doing stuff for West Ham. He, he was, he was, he was scouting there as well. So, um, so for him, for him to come back and do that, no, that's not widely reported, and it definitely should. Mm. Well, your next pick is one that I think is in a lot of people's uh, picks, if they're of the age to witness this. It had felt like an incredibly long 14 years for Tottenham to, you mentioned the top, the, the, the 67 Cup was the reason why he became a Tottenham fan. And 14 long years, so much so that there's, I think it got, you know from books, it got nominated for best I don't know, illustrated a coffee table book uh, only a few weeks ago. Uh, Steve Perman and Julie Welsh done a wonderful book called 81. I'm, of course, talking about the 81 FA Cup final replay. And I'll never tire of saying Ricky Villa. It's come to McKenzie. What a good tackle by Graham Roberts. And now Galvin. Spurs have got two to his right. And Galvin wants to go on his own. Here we are. And still Ricky Villa! What a fantastic run! He scored! Amazing goal! By Ricky Villa! Why is this one gone in, Ricky? Uh, Ricky. Well, it was was (laughs) my... You can call me Ricky. I'd be very, very honoured to have the same name as Ricky. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, th this is going to be in uh, uh, anybody of, of my age. I think this is going to be in the top ten. To be honest, you'll hear it a, a number of times. But it was the it was it was the first time I'd ever seen Spurs live in a cup final and going to Wembley that you know that uh, that 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 day. And I, I you know I went to the first match. You didn't go to the 73 League Cup final because I was a bit too young for that. You didn't do this one? No, my, it was my cousin's bar mitzvah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I ended, up making, him. I, I ended up making myself so ill over it. This is, this is absolutely true. I won the ticket to go to the 73 Cup final. No. How? And then got told I couldn't go because it was my cousin's permissible. No. And then shocking. ended up being so ill over it, I went to neither. Wow, <laughs> that's and, incredible! And so, um, so no, Ralph Coates was on his own that day. Wow. I, um, I ended up in bed with uh, with a fever. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, I was absolutely gutted. So, eighty one was the first time that uh, that that I'd seen uh, Spurs uh, going to a cup final, and of course, I saw two games because mm. I, I. But the replay was just. Unbelievable, and one one story that you won't get from uh, from anyone else because it's a very personal story. That day was when Ricky Villa's goal went in, and of course we were all standing behind the goal in those days. It, it wasn't seats; I had a, a standing ticket. Somebody had climbed up into the stanchion above my head, which I only found out at the moment that Ricky Villa scored. And then the guy got so excited, he landed on my head and <laughs> broke my glasses. And I had to watch the rest of the game through one lens, but I didn't care, to wow. be honest. Uh, uh, I, I really didn't care. Everybody was jumping all over everybody else. But um, That's amazing. You know, a, a guy actually fell out of the... Of the wow. If you, were, if you were listening, you were the person that fell on Rick Mason, maybe you'd like to... Get in touch and and pay for the glass replacement. That uh, yeah, not least because I probably saved his life. Because if I hadn't yeah. been there, he'd have just fallen straight onto yeah. the concrete. So uh, yeah, get in touch with me. I saved your life, mate. For for, for for younger listeners who the YouTube generation that probably seen Ricky Veers go and all that, I urge you watch the whole game. I assume it's out there. Watch the entire game because it was an incredible game of twists and turns and near misses and awful fouls and it was an incredible match I still think and I know I'm not a neutral but I think I still think to this day one off one off if not the greatest uh FA Cup final I really believe that I know there were some great games there and goals but for the whole 90 minutes it's definitely up there wasn't it Oh, completely. And for anybody watching it for the first time, I would also urge them to watch when Ricky Villa scores, watch Garth Crooks, because Garth Crooks actually swings his leg at the same time as Ricky Villa does, because he's actually feeling that <laughs> that, that shot into the goal. And uh, it's it's very funny because Garth Crooks actually swings his leg as if it's him that's scoring. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, your next pick, again, uh, and rightly so, in many people's uh, picks, um, you know, we had lifted the UEFA Cup trophy at White Hart Lane in 72. Twelve years later, we did it again in incredible circumstances. Let's listen again to that final of the penalty shootout 
and that Tony Park save. Danny Thomas to keep his spirits up. Well, let's see. Maybe Tony Parks will pull off another save. Good Johnson from Iceland is the man taking it. And he saved it! Spares have won it! Tony Parks is the hero! Fantastic scenes here! And here comes Graham Roberts. Big Cup, a beautiful smile, and Spurs have won the UEFA Cup. Why has this one gone in for you, Rick? Well, again, my my very first time of watching Spurs win a trophy in Europe, you know, a European trophy. Yeah, and um, and I wasn't in my normal seat that day. Um, uh, in my normal place, I should say, because I used to stand on the shelf. So for that particular game, I was behind the goal in the seats uh, on the on the upper tier behind the goal where Tony Parks made the save. Wow. So uh, I got a real close-up view of it that day. And, uh, yeah, just a tremendous feeling. And I know a lot of Spurs fans, a lot of younger Spurs fans, you know, won't, won't have this feeling. But... The moment that you win a trophy is amazing, and uh, and and in those days, you know, right up until the start of the Premier League, I would say in '92, Spurs used to do it quite regularly, and uh, and it's it's very sad that um, that uh, that a lot of Spurs fans have have never seen that. And one of the wonderful things, and we still do it now, but it doesn't mean quite as much, I don't think, at, at, at this new ground as it meant at the old White Hart Lane, was somewhere along the line, Spurs always chose to wear all white for European matches. And there was something quite special about that. There was something quite special about seeing that all-white kit under the floodlights in Europe. And um, I, I just don't think it, it has the same feeling these days. Fair enough. Well, look, let's go to a very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have the final five of Rick Mason's top 10 Tottenham. Back in a minute. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And we're back from the break. Don't forget, during this close season, we're still around. Uh, not only this show, if you want to hear uh, daily uh, news reports about what's going on around the around the club, 
uh, one-off documentary series, Interviews with Ex-Players, go to our Patreon site, patreon.com slash Show. Uh, and support uh, our show in the process and still out there on social media during the close season. Twitter, our virulent Facebook page, Instagram. Leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Right, your next pick is, uh, again, a a popular one. Uh, It kind of led to... Well, it says a popular one. It's been picked a couple of times. But again, for fans of a certain age, this game was seismic. I'm talking of the 1985 league game, Liverpool nil, Tottenham one. Uh, and let's listen to Brian Moore now. Falco, Brooks, and now Falco, but Kennedy was just there in time, but it comes for Hollow. And now for, oh, a great save, and Crooks! Spurs go into the lead! And why has this one gone in, Rick? Maybe tell the younger listener why this game was such a huge game. This one had to go in, Mike, um, because um, we hadn't won. I'd never seen us win. I was going regularly to the away games by by 1985, and I'd never seen us win at uh, at Liverpool. We hadn't won there for 73 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the year of the Titanic, famously. Well, weir- weirdly, um, 1912 was was the year that the Titanic went down and also uh, the year that Halley's Comet was seen. And right. 1985 was the year that, that the Titanic um, was, was brought up oh. from the bottom and Halley's Comet was seen again wow i never knew that That's yeah incredible. so so uh, there wow. were some some weird coincidences going on so much so that i i don't know where it is now but i had a pennant that said spurs first winner anfield wow. uh, for 73 years and it had all about halley's comet and the titanic on the pennant as well and i, I actually bought that from the club shop so i think it was I think amazing it was i mean we've you know we've subsequently still had we've won there but not that many wins anfield even after 85 we have had for quite some time now a wretched record against the sort of big four away from home yes we've won in all those places but still i think for a team that wants to be a, a top top team still not enough but that was an extraordinary. I remember it was the hazard volley, powered away, and then well, there was Garth Crooks. You mentioned Crooks earlier, uh, putting the ball away, and it was uh, um, extraordinary moment uh, for Tottenham fans to win up there, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was Ray Clements playing against yes. his old team as well, and um, um, and uh, you know players like John Chidozzi, who yeah. very rarely gets gets mentioned, Mark Falco. Was up front from us, uh, Tony Galvin, who seemed to have uh, uh, four different gears mm. that he would go into. It was great, you know, with Chidozzi and Galvin. It was great seeing that uh, that old wing play as well, and um, and to not have uh, Liverpool score against us for once, mm. um, as, as you know, as well as winning up there was 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 strange. Yeah, your, your next pick. I think should be in people's top 10 lists more. And the reason it isn't more is what we've subsequently done in the Champions League uh, quite a lot. So I think when people make their picks, this one goes out. And again, this was seismic. This was, uh, we'd been so nearly there a couple of times. Fine enough, we'll play the clip now and I'll tell you where I was 
that that night. Um, I'm talking about um, God. We've had a. You talk about having a hoodoo over massive teams. We've had a hoodoo over Manchester City, largely for quite some time. Although they used to be our bogey team, certainly in the 60s and 70s. We've had this weird symbiotic relationship with this club. Many people say they're the Tottenham of the North. Sadly, we've so far so far not had their money uh, in recent years. It was that incredible night. Uh, where we reached the Champions League for the first time. But we had to beat Manchester City, who were also going for it as well, I think, for the first time. Let's remind ourselves of that Peter Crouch goal again. Asua Koto, again, Bale in front of him. It's Bale's cross. Oh, it just begged a touch that didn't quite come. Kabul picks up the scraps and goes past Bellamy. Eunice Kabul, Peter Crouch, he scored! Tottenham are in front. On 82 minutes, the dominance is finally rewarded. And is that the goal that sends Tottenham Hotspur into the Champions League? It's Peter Crouch's 13th of the season. It might yet be the most important of his career. Why is this one got him, Rick? Were you there that night? I was there. Yeah, I, I was. All of these games that I've chosen, mm. I, I was. I was there, and uh, not only was I there that night, but I got injured again. But I got injured without knowing it. Right. And when Peter Crouch's goal went in, and it, and it was at our end where all the Spurs fans were. Everybody just went absolutely nuts. Well, what I didn't realise was that I must have, because everybody was standing up in their seats, my legs must have been pressing against my seat so hard that when I got home, the backs of my legs were just completely mauve. They were just right. okay. so bruised. And I hadn't even realised. I mean, the just the thought at that time that Spurs could possibly be in the Champions League, mm. that we would be hearing the Champions League music, mm. you know, and Peter Crouch went nuts and, of course, came over to, to the crowd when when he scored. And, and um, what a lot of people don't remember is that, I think we had I think we had one game to go afterwards, which I think yeah. was away to Burnley. Mm-hmm. And um, and it looked like it was going to go right down to the wire because we were only one point ahead of Manchester City. If Manchester City had beaten us, they would have been two points ahead of us and then we would have had to have beaten Burnley and then looked at what Manchester City were doing. Winning at Manchester City meant we were four points clear of them with one game to go. So the Burnley game didn't matter. And that's why everybody just went absolutely berserk. So I ended up going out with some friends in Manchester. There were no Manchester City supporters around. It was just all Tottenham. And I ended up staying overnight and ringing my girlfriend at the time to say, um, I'm I'm not coming home this evening. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was just all Spurs fans out, out celebrating in Manchester. Got back the following day, and of course she she wondered what I'd been up to with all the bruises on my legs. I know some exactly. Um, well, I mean, you know, it, what um, people forget was how well we played that night. The amount of chances we missed. Famously, we had Harry Redknapp on the Spurs show, who says that he literally decided on that attacking team 
very last minute. We've had Clive Allen uh, on the show who confirms that this was not the team that Harry had given his coaching staff. He'd literally just gone into the changing room and came out his mouth, a completely different lineup, a different team, and and boy, it worked. My, my, my quick story is that I wasn't there. I was with Theo Delaney, co-host of The Spurs Show, who was directing a, a series of adverts for Betfair, which I was in. And uh, when it was called Betfair Front Room with different fans discussing, it was a very lucrative uh, gig in hindsight. And when they did the shooting schedule, we both suddenly realised we're working that night. They're, they're shooting these ads. So Theo had managed to say we are halting uh, filming for two hours while me and him sat there, surrounded <laughs> by a United fan, an Arsenal fan, a Stoke City fan, various cameramen and people who had no vested interest. And me and him sat transfixed and went absolutely nuts. Uh, and I find it very difficult to get any work done after we realised we had finally reached the Champions League. We then went on, and your, your eighth pick, uh, incredible run, extraordinary matches in the Champions League. And this, this is up there with a lot of other people's. It's very, very rare, weird. Certain people, when they do their top 10 all-time picks, select a game that we lost. Uh, that's how seismic the second half was, the coming of age of this Tottenham legend. I'm talking, of course, of that extraordinary hat-trick of Gareth Bell in the San Siro. Let's listen to those three goals now. Run from Bailey, so unstoppable in these circumstances. Oh, that is a fantastic goal. Well, it's a night when virtually everything that could have gone wrong for Tottenham has gone wrong, but that is a memorable moment. Magnificent goal by Bale. Well, this kid's an outstanding athlete, isn't he, Gareth Bale? And I was talking about encouraging signs for the return leg, and here it is. It's a terrific run forward. Coutinho takes it on and slides it just wide. Well, good feet from the young man again to get the shot away. <laughs> and no shortage of confidence either. Cabell gave it away and they immediately on the back foot, but he does really well here, look. Snyder. There's Coutinho. It's a very good effort. Towards the back post. And Hutton tries to find a way through on his own. Here goes Bale. Keane is up in support. He's gone for goal again! Well, it was like an action replay. Absolutely superb. Another wonderful Gareth Bale goal. What a shame it's come in the final minute. And this is against the top team in Europe, and this kid is uh, something special. And the Spurs fans love it as well. And and goal now could make things interesting, couldn't it? And Bale is in space again here. And Leonard's picked him out. Oh, this is incredible. This is quite incredible. Gareth Bale has scored a hat-trick at the San Siro. Preaching for the final whistle. And now they hear it. Well, where do you start to sum up a game like that? Frankly, it was lost from Spurs' point of view in the first 13 minutes when they conceded three goals and had goalkeeper Gomez sent off. 4-0 down at half-time. They came back quite magnificently in the second half. So why has this one gone in? Out of all the games you could pick, this one, all the games you've been to, you had to put this one in. As you rightly said, it was the coming of age of Gareth Bale. I mean, 
he um up until then he'd just been a left back yeah. that we that had, had literally lost every game he played in for us. <laughs> And uh, the Spurs fans wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. And we turn up at the San Siro. And firstly, I've, I've got to say, one of the things that I was really looking forward to was going to the famous San Siro Stadium. What a crumbling old relic <laughs> that is. It, it's the one of the worst stadiums I've ever been to. Um, that that dreadful, never-ending like circle that you have to walk in to to, to get up. I, th- I think they've got the same at Manchester City, but uh, you just walk round and round until you in, until you get to the to the top, and it's just an a, an awful stadium. But the um the 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 Milan team. Um, they they had a, a, a right back that had played. I can't remember his I can't remember his name now, but but he, I think he played for Brazil and Mycon. Yeah, and he, 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 he Mycon. That was it. And he, and he was like one of the best right backs yeah. in the world. Yeah. And Gareth Bale just left him for dead. He never recovered. I don't think he ever recovered from those two no, games. No, not, not at all. He and, was an incredible and, speedy fullback that never recovered from facing Gareth Bale. Yeah, no, I remember now that the phrase was taxi, taxi for, for Mycon. Yeah. yeah, because uh, he just ran him ragged, and and we just all stood there thinking, "Who's this Gareth Bale?" Because this isn't the one that with the that we've been watching. And after that, of course, he just turned into a world class player that didn't seem to have a position. He certainly wasn't a left back as he'd been at Southampton, and he'd been for us. He was just this midfield forward. He just seemed to be able to to play anywhere. He was just a great footballer. Yeah, absolutely. Your next one, again, if I ever do mine, I, I think I might do. This would be uh, in, 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 I think, my, my top my top 10 Tottenham is very, would be very, very similar to yours, in, in fairness, looking through them now. Uh, this one, and I, I, I won't tell my story, just in case I do do this show and then we'll get it now. But... Um, one could argue the the extraordinary night in Amsterdam has kind of slightly masked this night, another night at the Manchester Stadium, an extraordinary second leg of the quarterfinal. Again, many neutrals, City fans, didn't give us a hope in hell. An extraordinary seesaw match ending with that incredible... Still, probably to this day, the most extraordinary VAR decision because we all thought it was done and dusted. Let's remind ourselves of, um, let's have Lorente's goal, which again is kind of forgotten. Lorente's goal and that extraordinary VAR decision, which meant we went through to play Ajax in the semi final. Let's listen now. Kieran Trippier with a corner this time, all the way through. It's got him. Well, Fernando Llorente might well claim it. From a Tottenham standpoint, they don't care where it came from. It's a goal for them that puts them back in control of this quarter-final. It's Manchester City 4, Tottenham 3. It's Fernando Llorente. This game's unbelievable. They're going to check it, though, Jermaine, to see, I think, whether there's a hand in there. Yeah, I mean, it didn't feel like he headed it. Advice. Doesn't it? His hand. These are the pictures that uh, Tunic Chaki, the referee, is uh, looking at. Massimiliano Irati is the VAR referee. It's such a big moment, this. Huge moment. 
really is. He's given it. There's the decision. The goal is confirmed. No handball by Fernando Llorente. It's the ton of Hotspur. Kyle Walker. Sergio Aguero. Saved by Lloris. It's a great run and ball, this, from Kyle Walker. Long. Giving it away here to Aguero. Aguero with a chance. Sterling with a chance. Here's the moment. Oh! They had the chance to clear it, they decided to play here, Ericsson. Got to get rid of it. They're checking for a potential offside during the goal. And it is under review to Massimiliano Irati, and it's been disallowed. They disallowed it? It's been disallowed for an offside against Aguero. Oh, my God. Oh, my word. With the corner. And he blows the full-time whistle. Well, Tottenham Hotspur have done it. It's one of their great nights. The underdogs have come to Manchester and got the job done after a Champions League classic that's had absolutely everything. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why is this gone, this gone in? Again, out of all the games you've been to and moments, an extraordinary mad night in Manchester. Well, it was... uh, uh, We thought we'd lost... Yeah. I mean, we, we really thought we'd lost. We thought yeah. that Sterling's goal um, was going to count. So Another last-minute sickener as a time. Yeah, that Manchester City fans were singing Blue Moon. Um, you know, they'd all thought they, they'd won. And then it was kind of the early era of, of VAR. And... And the way... And obviously the way goal counted as well. That meant we uh, yeah, as well. absolutely. And then... That VAR decision changed, I mean, I can remember it so vividly, all of the cheering Manchester City fans just went quiet and changed into all of the cheering Tottenham fans who changed the song Blue Moon to Too Soon. You started singing Too Soon. <laughs> and uh, and it, was, it was just this fantastic moment that I, I think we just stayed in the ground for about 15, 20 minutes afterwards, just just celebrating the the fact that uh, that we'd won that it was it, it was an amazing night and an amazing night and 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 to be honest, I I would I would argue, and I know you you know you're still going to come to my last one, that 2019 was probably the last time I really got excited at Spurs game. I, I think you. I think many Tottenham fans would agree with you. It was an extraordinary 
run. Yes, marred by the anti-climax of the final in Madrid and the game was pretty much all over before it even started. But, you know, if, if we carry on doing the show year in, year out and all that, you know, these, these are moments that no matter what generation of Tottenham fan you are, if you're alive during these games, I, I, it's going to take something to surpass these. Maybe, you know, if we record these next season, we're talking about Ange Postacoglu and some extraordinary game at the Emirates or whatever. I hope I hope we do start talking about this new Tottenham era in the way we talk about this Pochettino era. And we have to end with, you know, uh, you've already alluded to it, that extraordinary night in Amsterdam. Let's listen to that incredible comeback now. It's in there and steers in the header. And Ziyech. Is that any way by now? He finds Deli Alley. Lots of green shots forward here. Lucas Mora bursting through the middle. Brilliant goal. Spurs have hope. Lucas Mora steers it in. Trippier. Ajax in trouble here. Llorente saved by Onana. Oh, it's still pinging around the area. Lucas Moura in possession. Oh, incredible. Lucas Moura scored again. It's the comeback on. They're sliding. It's in. Lucas Moura with the hat-trick goal. Spurs are going to the Champions League final for the first time in their history. I do not believe it. Where were you this night? I'm assuming you were there. This was a hot ticket to I, get. I was in Amsterdam. Um, uh, Beverly, who's now my wife, uh, couldn't uh, couldn't go. So uh, I had to, um, she, she was uh, a meeting and, and I had to call her from the coach that I'd taken on the way back. And she said, are we going to Madrid? And I said, yes, we are. And, uh, and so that was a wonderful moment to let her know that we were going because I don't think she expected us to, to qualify either. But, the, you know, Lucas Mora was, was fantastic. Uh, th- that night, and then to not be picked for the final, I think. I think it was, you know, I loved Pochettino. I still love Pochettino. It's going to be dreadful seeing him with the Chelsea badge on. But if he ever made a mistake, it was picking Harry Kane in Madrid. Do you think that's in hindsight? Because obviously Kane was our talisman, the greatest goal scorer we've ever seen. Uh, for Pochettino to turn around and go, "Sorry, Harry, you're not fully fit. I'm going with." I, I think that that now is what a lot of Spurs fans would have wished happened. Obviously, hindsight's a, a wonderful thing, but for Lucas Mora to do what he did to get us there, mm. then find himself dropped. I, I what was incredible about those two games again was, you know, the, the home leg. We were lucky just to lose one nil. We were wretched. We were going in the, in the league an awful run, which subsequently next season kind of finished with with Pochettino being sacked it was all going wrong we we were goal down obviously then we went two down the first half three nil down in aggregate I mean no one no one could see no one could even the most optimistic Tottenham fan couldn't have generally sat there in the seats in Amsterdam or at home wherever you were watching the game went you know don't worry we're we're, we're gonna get at least three in this this second half just couldn't see it happening 
we we were dead and buried, and yeah. and, um, and and we and we all thought that. And I think, you know, I would look back on Lucas Moura as a true Tottenham legend. I don't think, you know, he started that many games for us. Certainly mm-hmm. not compared to other legends. But when I look at the players of the recent eras um, that uh, that that you know come back 50 years later to come and do q and a's and things like that i don't think there's many that we'll have now i can see lucas mora doing that i can see lucas mora being somebody who loves tottenham who will come back for the fans in 30 40 50 years time you know if if we're still doing doing q and a's and i am so pleased of him that he signed off with that wonderful goal at Leeds. It was it was an absolutely incredible goal, and if anybody deserved to sign off in that way, it was Lucas. Amazing. I know. You know. In um, you mentioned this is the most fun. It's been difficult there. And I know you were very anti the Mourinho appointment, anti the Conte uh, appointment. I believe you're wavering about renewing season ticket next season for someone who's such a diehard Tottenham fan must be a difficult decision to make. We all have our views on the board. Uh, many of us agree with her. We will have, have the same views of, of the board and, and whatever. Uh, it must be a very frustrating time for you, uh, you know, with, with everything that's going on. I've had a season ticket, as I said earlier, for um, for around, well, over, over 50 years. And, you know, that first game that I went to in 1968, supporting them since... 67 and I've gone home and away um for all of these years but I have to say uh, and I know a lot of people won't agree with me because I still love the I still love the team I still love the club I will always be a Spurs fan but I no longer enjoy the match day experience at the new stadium mm-hmm. um, I I you know next season um, uh, my wife and I are going to be going to watch Saracens um, and we've got season tickets for Saracens. I will still watch Spurs as much as I can on the TV. I will still um, go, you know, my wife and I will still go to the odd game, probably more away games than home games. But for me, this isn't the club that I started supporting as a kid. Um, just uh, and, and and it's not. But just... don't you think football evolves, rightly or wrongly, and it changes, and you just had to sort of roll with it, or if you just went, I don't want to roll with it. I don't enjoy the experience. It's a lot of money as well, a big commitment. I I, I I'm not giving them any more of my money. Certainly, home games. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's there's that, but but also the fact that I I don't think it's just Tottenham. I think it's the Premier League. I think now you know when I, when. When I first started watching Spurs, you start off the season thinking you can win the league, and a lot of clubs in the in the top flight felt that way. Now there's maybe one or two teams, like in Scotland, that feel that way, and then you hope you can finish in the top four because the oligarchs and the shakes have have made such a difference and the TV money has made such a difference and and now you've got a group of clubs that hope that they can finish in Europe and a group of clubs that hope that the you know that they can not go down. Do and, you think the bubble will ever burst or do you think TV money now is always going to be there? This is the way football's going to be to the day we die. 
I think Saudi Arabia will change it. Uh, and right. I think at the moment they're throwing money at um, – I think they're, they're throwing money at individual players. I think Hugo Lloris has been offered £300,000 a week to go and play over there. And, and Benzema, I think, is going to to play there. And they, you know, they've already got some some big names, Messi and, and, and uh, Ronaldo. But um, – Eventually, I think, you know, if you look at live golf, if you look at the boxing, if you look at Formula One, if you look at what India have done with IPL, you know, I, th- I think eventually Saudi Arabia will want football over there and the TV companies will lap it up and domestic football here will have to change um, because, you know, a lot of those clubs will accept the money and and go to Saudi Arabia. I think it's football that the Saudi Arabians really want, and that's how I think it's going to change in the in the next five to. to so you think you can see home games effectively becoming, you know, well, a game for three points. Tottenham Arsenal is now in in Saudi Arabia because TV are there and the fans will miss out or, or can travel. Well, there. if you if you look at no, it's not Saudi Arabia, it's India. But if you look at the way that IPL has affected um, the short game in, in cricket. You know, the, the players just aren't available here because they've all gone where the money is. Um, so, you know, whether it's going to be, you know, new teams that take part in a tournament in in Saudi Arabia or whether it's going to be the teams that we have now and the richest teams and, you know, Tottenham will be out there with PSG and Bayern Munich and Juventus and and, uh, and Barcelona and Real Madrid. I, I don't know, I, I, yeah. but I do think that it's not going to stay as it is. And the and, and coming back to Tottenham, I now feel that our identity has become the stadium rather than the football team. And I think that, that you know, I, I hear every game, Levy out. And, well, I think the damage has been done. And when Enoch finally sell, it can only be to a new owner who is just looking at the money that they can make from the stadium. I don't, I don't think there'll be any more priority given to the team. And and that's what concerns me now uh, about the football club that I love, is that the, the identity now is this huge, great stadium. And if the Saudi Arabian money comes in and the club, you know, playing a tournament out there, you know, this is just, just you know, me sort of playing along with with, with ideas, but but um, you know the, that 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 stadium is just going to be for you know Beyonce and NFL and Formula One karting, um, and and it'll be an entertainment hub. It, it never to me, and probably because of the age that I am, it has never felt like home. It's a fantastic piece of architecture. It, you know, in terms of architecture, it's got to be the best stadium in the world. But in terms of home, that for me, there'll never be another White Hart Lane. Yeah. Well, Rick, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for giving us and the listeners your top 10 Tottenham list. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for everyone listening at home. We'll be back with another episode very, very soon. Until next time, come you Spurs. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.com. Dot co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network.